When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom! Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? Of course! I'm always ready to go on an adventure with you! All right, let's give it a whirl! All right, let's give it a whirl. Hey, I just want to say it's very nippy here in my neck of the woods. What about you, Chandler? Yes, uh, the temperature has finally dropped. <laughs> For three days, we can wear sweaters, maybe mm-hmm. three. <laughs> and I want to say hello, everybody. Hello to all the people who are so wonderful and listen to our podcast. We love you very much. And we're really hoping that you are having a lovely, lovely autumn time. Uh, yes, uh, we are uh, very uh, happy to uh, greet all of our listeners uh, around this great country of ours and around this wonderful world. And uh, whenever you are uh, listening to this, uh, let it be known that it was cold for a few days in fall in Texas. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, this, uh, is going to be our, uh, season two, uh, season finale. Uh, and, uh, so we just like to thank everyone who has listened, uh, whether you started with us in the very beginning of last year, season one, or, uh, picked us up somewhere along the way. Uh, we would, uh, just like to, uh, say thank you for all of your, uh, downloads and, uh, all of your support. Yes, it's really amazing. I can't believe we're already to the end of season two. I don't know, Chandler. I think we're having too much fun with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so for those of you, if you have chosen our season two finale to begin uh, your journey with us, uh, welcome. Uh, the way that we do things here is that uh, in a moment, I will give the astrological birth data uh, for a historical event this time uh, to uh, my mother. Uh, she will input that data into the back computer and out will come uh, the astrological chart of uh, where all the planets, moons, and stars were at the moment that this event took place. 
Uh, she will then do her best to give us a blind reading of this chart, uh, telling us uh, what uh, all of the placements uh, would mean uh, for uh, the specific event. And uh, then uh, I will reveal to her uh, what this event is, uh, what happened uh, on that day, and uh, everything leading up to it. And uh, then we'll come together at the end and uh, see how accurate uh, the chart was at predicting what would happen on this day. Uh, so without any further ado, let us begin. All right. Uh, so this is an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, which took place on the 30th uh -huh. of April, mm -hmm. 1598. Wow, okay. Do you want to pick a time for this? Sure. Uh, we will go with uh, 6 p.m. <laughs> 6 p.m. Uh, just 6 o'clock? Yes. No minutes? No. All right. And where in the world? Uh, it is uh, now a uh, part of the United States. All right. And where? San Elizario, Texas. Uh, uh, I don't e. think I'm spelling this right. <laughs> Can you spell it for me? Uh, Eliza Ario. So E-L-I-Z. Yes. Oh, here we go. Okay. Well. No wonder. Wow. Okay. All right. Let's see what this is about. <laughs> I never know what I'm getting into here. Um, all right. So the day of this event. Okay. Oof. All right. Okay, uh, let's just start with the planets and their houses. Um, we have Sun at 10 degrees Taurus, Moon at 15 degrees Pisces, Mercury, ooh, Mercury at 21 degrees Aries, Venus at 28 degrees Taurus, Mars at 24 degrees Cancer, Jupiter at 17 degrees Gemini, Saturn at 27 degrees Virgo, Uranus at 24 degrees Aries, Neptune at 20 degrees Leo, Oof. Pluto at 21 degrees Aries, North Node at 4 degrees Pisces, and Chiron at 6 degrees Cancer, with Scorpio rising at 3 degrees. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first house is Scorpio. There are no planets in that, uh, but it is a very interesting first house for an event. I'm going to say there are things that are involved with this event that people do not know, hidden things. This is a transformative situation. Whatever happens here is going to transform something in a way that it cannot and will not ever return to the way it was before. Uh, second house is Sagittarius. There are no planets there, but it has, I would say that this does not have, um, like the basis of this is not necessarily about 
maybe material goods. I'm going to say because of all these other planets that this has something to do with per perhaps land. Uh, maybe. But not necessarily coins. More about... Um, We'll see how that how that goes. Okay, third house is Capricorn. There are no planets in there. And uh, that would mean that the communication around this situation could be, if it was on the dark side, manipulated. Uh, light side could be um, rather specific. Um, Maybe even like corporate-ish. I mean, I know this is in the 1500s, but I mean, still, that whole idea of uh, government involved. Um, fourth house is Aquarius. Interesting. And the North Node is there. So North Node is... Um, Four degrees Pisces, but it's in the fourth house ruled by Aquarius, which is very interesting. Um, North Node has to do with the direction, home, country, uh, humanity, but also. Um, uh just aquarius can be you know like dictator like uh complete control but that north node in pisces there's something creative about this something dreamy like like a dream or this is my dream kind of thing uh moon in the fifth house in pisces conjunct that north node um Again, very creative, uh, very inspired. Uh, something about, you know, having moon in the fifth house is very dramatic. Very dramatic emotions, like, you know, people who, uh, <laughs> I just see like someone like, you know how like Sanford and Son, like he would always grab his heart and go, I'm coming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this kind of drama you know around this moon these emotions this um i don't know okay so sixth house lots of work a lot going on with the work almost like because it's ruled by aries it's like almost the work is war uh we have uranus at 24 degrees Aries, we have Mercury at 21 degrees Aries, conjunct. All three of these are conjunct. Pluto at 21 degrees Aries, conjunct Mercury. Change. This is about death and rebirth change. Having to do with Martian things, which is passion and war and uh, strength and competition. And with that Uranus there, uh, I can only imagine that this particular day in history, 
maybe there were a lot of battles in a lot of places. But um, Uranus conjunct Mercury conjunct Pluto, mm, that's a lot. That's a lot of uh, surprise, unexpected things. But this is in the sixth house per the day that you've, you know, the day and time that this is set up for. So it has to do with work and health and Virgonian things. It can be communication too, but sixth house is usually about your workplace, your health, um, things like that. So uh, a lot of people could have died maybe from a disease. It's very possible. I mean, if I was looking at this right now, and I was saying that this is the aspect for right now, I would be like, oh, wow, they're using um, chemical warfare. They're using disease in warfare. You know what I mean? Because you have this Pluto, death and rebirth, uh, to kill, right? It can't, I mean, the, the bottom line is, is death, you know? So very interesting. Seventh house has the sun and Venus. The sun is in Taurus. And Venus is also in Taurus. They are not conjunct by degree, but they are conjunct by sign. That is something very earthy. A partnership with part, maybe a partnership with another uh, country. If this is an event, a partnership. Uh, it has to do with an earthy partnership. And Taurus is about as earthy as you can get as far as relating to the earth. Taurus is about growing food and uh, commodities, the things that come from the earth, lumber, oil, uh, anything that comes from the earth. And this is some kind of partnership regarding that. Um, eighth house has Jupiter in Gemini. So there is a lot of communicating. A lot of talk, a lot of messages, a lot. Oh, too many. All right. Uh, Jupiter and Gemini is a lot of communication because it's a, it's too much. Then we have ninth house, which is Cancer, and we have Chiron at six degrees Cancer, and Mars at twenty four degrees Cancer in the ninth house. Perhaps something about religion or dogma or um, something that has to do with philosophy, travel, foreign countries, uh, foreign languages. But it is an area that is having to be addressed and healed. and. Um, Mars conjunct Chiron, and it's a very intense. It is a very intense emotional uh, situation regarding philosophies and dogma and uh, higher education and, and, and travel to foreign countries. And uh, 10th house has Neptune and Leo. Mm. Things going on uh, almost like um like a show neptune in leo in the 10th house is the show now currently i would read that as film or some sort of production content 
performance, entertainment. In this situation, I feel that it is um, things that are projected as if this is real, but not necessarily real. It's like this is this is to make you look over here instead of looking over there, maybe. And then Virgo, Saturn in in Virgo at 27 degrees in the 11th house. Something about organizing groups of people uh, somehow uh, having to learn issues with groups of people um, or or controlling groups of people. It could be control because Saturn is control. Saturn is the time lord. Saturn controls time. That's why whenever you have a Saturn transit, you're like, oh, <laughs> this is taking forever. But it's also like, the lesson is taking forever, you know? It's a really intense, uh, the universe is making you learn this. But in this situation, I don't know why, I feel like it has something to do with control and organization. Is any of this making any sense? Yes. Okay, um, do you have any questions? Um. So you've kind of covered this a little bit already, but just to go a little bit more in depth, uh, what are some of the emotions of this moment? Well, <laughs> the moon is in Pisces, so it's going to be very, very emotional around um, and it, it, its fifth house things, right? So it's very dramatic. Because here we have the moon in the fifth house, which is ruled by Leo and the sun. And then we have Neptune in the 10th house, which is actually ruled by Leo. Okay. But the 10th house is ruled by Capricorn and Saturn, which means it, it has to do with government and control. Uh, and also what is projected out. Like if if we're looking at a chart of a person who is... In, in the public eye, you look to their 10th house because that's how the public sees them. It's different than the first house, which is how people see you. You know what I mean? When you are in the public eye, when you are a celebrity, whether you are a, in the government or whatever, somehow in the media where people can see you all the time. In this situation, we have Neptune there in Leo, which to me, I read as a projection like a film, like you are creating this narrative for people to see. You know what I mean? That's your, that's what you do. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, and would um, this emotion, uh, this intense emotion, be connected to water in any way? Well, it's in Pisces, so absolutely. You know? And also here, because Neptune is ruled, you know, Neptune rules Pisces. So it's, mm -hmm. it, it seems to be all about water. Mm -hmm. Or it's very watery. It's either about water, literally, because a lot of times we do these things and it's like the most literal interpretation, which always surprises me. But um, yeah, I mean, 
I think that this is North Node in Pisces in the fourth house. So it has to do with if we're going to the most literal interpretation, which is water, this the 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 goal is water for the home or the country, you know? Mm -hmm. If two groups of people uh, were to meet uh, on this day, what uh, would that interaction uh, uh, go like? Well, 11th house is your groups of people, all right? 11th house is ruled by Aquarius, and it is Aquarius is ruled by Uranus, all right? Um, and we have Saturn there. So this is about control, all right? Everything about this is about control and organization and time. Uh, time possibly in making people wait or um, it taking a long time, something like that. Does, does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Okay, but it also has to do with, uh, if we're talking about two groups of people, and this is an event, I mean, that it has to do with everything on the chart, right? Yeah. Because here we have seventh house. If we only have two groups of people, somehow there is a partnership here. Some, either they're coming together with regard to uh, things that have to do with the sun and things that have to do with the Venus. So who they are and what they want or who they are and what they have, if that makes any sense. And war things, all this crazy. Like if I had to describe this, this Pluto conjunct by degree Mercury, conjunct uh, by orb Uranus in Aries, I'd be like, don't go outside. Do not go outside this day. This is not a good day. Don't just try very hard to stay in one room of your house and not get injured or die. Because that's what this day is about. This is a crazy time. Uh, this is upheaval, death and rebirth regarding communication, like very fiery communication in the transference of this time and out of the blue things in conjunction with all this, if that makes any sense. In this but are these um, connected to this day or are these long-standing trends that are going the, on? These two, Pluto and Uranus, this is, this is, uh, this is long-term. Yeah. These are slow-moving planets. This is something that's going on in the world at this time. I, that's why I was like, there's a lot of war right now. There's either a lot of war or ongoing war or competition because Aries is competitive. You know, Aries is, is the sign of Olympians. They want to win, you know, and it's, it's like, it's ingrained in them. It doesn't matter what they do. Like they could be, you know, it could be anything. It could be who can eat the most hot dogs. It can be how many trees can you cut down? It's very, very, very competitive to win. 
Well, I think it's a, a good general rule for anyone who is living in 1598 to just stay in your home. <laughs> uh, really, home. really just stay there until like maybe 1950 or something. <laughs> like uh, it, it's pretty bad out there. Yes, this is bad. Um, What is the legacy of this moment? Uh, this legacy should be very famous and talked about a lot because it's that Jupiter in eighth house. So uh, in this particular situation, I would assume that whatever this is we're talking about is very, very, very famous. And when I see Jupiter in Gemini in the eighth house, it's like, I think the last time I saw this, we had Vlad, right? And mm -hmm. like known in the universe. This is, a, this is so well known and so talked about that they know about this on other planets as as metaphorically but mm -hmm. maybe i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um are there any other uh, final impressions that you get uh from uh this day um if i was an astrologer in this time and i knew at this time of day, well, I mean, just in general, all this Aries would be like, mm, keep to yourself, <laughs> keep to yourself. But um, this is a very intense time, you know, whatever is going on in, in all, you know, it's, it's absolutely a time where Earth and the people of Earth were going through a major transition, but it's at 21 degrees. So they've already been through a lot at this point at this point you're only you know eight degrees from moving into taurus which would have been a more um i would like to say it would be a more peaceful harmonious very earthy almost cozy time after this but not right now now is the point where you're trying to get to it like we're moving in the world right now. We've had Pluto and Capricorn, which is an upheaval in government and control and dogma and everything. It's just, we've been doing this for years now with this Pluto and Capricorn, but we're about to go into Pluto and Aquarius. And we're either going to go full steam ahead into the whole, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius, humanitarian, we all love each other, peace, love, and harmony, or we're going to be thrown into absolute total control, and we the people will have no control at all. And it can go either way. It's up to us. So it's a very interesting, oof, I, I don't think I would like to be uh, involved with this on this chart. <laughs> I don't, I'm having a hard enough time being involved with what we're going through right now in the world. <laughs> uh, are you ready for a, a summary of our findings? Yes. So the first thing that you said is that um, there are unknown hidden things uh, going on uh, at this time, that this mm -hmm. is a, a transformative moment. Things will not return to the way they were. Uh, this event is uh, connected to wealth, but wealth as in land, not as in coins or money. Uh, 
there's a lot of communication, and that communication could be manipulated. Uh, something to do with uh, corporate or some other organization, government, uh, involved with this communication. Uh, the uh, purpose of this uh, uh, communication or purpose of this moment is connected to the home, uh, to the country, to humanity. Uh, but there's also an element of control, possibly, of totalitarianism connected to this moment. Mm -hmm. uh, this could be a realization of a dream. Um, there is a creative, inspired uh, uh, work. Uh, and uh, this is connected to uh, dramatic emotions. Mm -hmm. There's lots of work. There's work in war, um, change and death and rebirth. Uh, there is a lot of passion, war, strength, competition. Uh, there is uh, surprising things, unexpected things. Uh, these surprises have to do with health and work. Uh, it is possible that a lot died uh, from disease uh, or maybe even uh, someone uh, using uh, some sort of chemical uh, warfare. Um, Whatever is going on is very earthy, uh, is very much connected to the earth. Uh, and there's a partnership around the earth, uh, growing of food. Um, there is a lot of communication, uh, maybe too much communication. Uh, this uh, communication could be connected to religion, a dogma of foreign countries. Uh, there are issues being addressed and uh, healed in a very intense manner. Uh, there is some sort of show or production, entertainment, uh, and this production could be used as a distraction. Uh, there's a lot of organizing of groups of people. Uh, there is a learning of issues uh, with groups, uh, and there is a control of groups of people. Uh, it could be a very emotional moment, uh, especially around uh, fifth house things. Uh, there, uh, the government and control is all a part of this moment. Uh, and there's uh, the projection, the production, the show uh, as part of this narrative. Uh, there is a, this emotion, this intense emotion could be connected to water or watery things. Uh, this is a moment of control, of organization and time. Uh, there could be a partnership formed at this time between groups of people. Uh, and they could be coming together around uh, uh, and, and talking about who they are and uh, what they have. Uh, this is a moment uh, that has been going on for a while about war and warlike things. This whole time period is one of upheaval and competition. Uh, there, uh, the legacy of this moment is famous. It is well known and it is known uh, universally. Uh, this is a very intense time, a very intense moment, and there are major transformations occurring uh, at this time. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything that you'd like to add? Well, also that uh, Jupiter in the eighth house, because eighth house is also hidden things. And uh, I would say that there are a lot of hidden things because it's Jupiter. So wherever Jupiter is, there's more than enough, more than you need, more than some people can handle. So Jupiter an abundance. Is a lot. It is abundant. So everything that is eighth house, which is also taboo things, it is other people's money, 
it is your partner's money. It is a like as if this were funded by other people's money, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing, because it's all those eighth house things and it's a lot. And it's I mean, I can imagine that this particular situation appears to be like a board game where the people with the money are moving the pieces around the board, mm -hmm. but they're not actually there because mm. they're letting the people do that. That, if that makes any sense, but yeah. yeah. Uh, are you ready to find out what this moment is? I am. I, I should know what it is because that's <laughs> Jupiter in the eighth house. So I should know. Well, uh, as typical, I like to uh, set uh, our episodes around uh, the things that are happening in uh, in our calendar uh, today. Uh, so this is uh, our last episode uh, that will occur the closest to Thanksgiving. And this is what many scholars consider to be the actual first Thanksgiving. Wow. Oh. <gasps> Oh my goodness, that makes perfect sense. Oh my goodness. Okay, all right. I, I'm very excited to hear what you have to say about this, Chandler. Uh, so um, those of you who uh, have been uh, listening uh, to us for a long time know that uh, Mom and I are both very proud Texans. <laughs> and... Uh, Texas can actually claim uh, two of the first Thanksgivings, mm -hmm. um, but this is one that we can actually find the date for. Oh. Uh, so uh, there are lots of uh, uh, banting about between scholars and between people of their uh, very proud regions as to who can claim the first Thanksgiving. What we can almost know for sure is that that first Thanksgiving did not happen in Plymouth in 1620. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so uh, there is uh, claims for Thanksgivings happening uh, in the 1580s in uh, St. Augustine, Florida, and in the Carolinas. Um, and then uh, there is uh, one claim that says that there was a Thanksgiving held at Paladuro Canyon uh, by uh, Francisco Coronado in uh, 1541. Mm. Um, but uh, we don't know exactly what date. And so I was thinking of making this an episode where we looked at all these uh, claims for the first Thanksgiving and see what looks the most uh, uh, likely to be that. But um, that would require me knowing the date, and uh, there are not a whole lot of dates available uh, for uh, these first Thanksgivings, even the one that we are more commonly aware of, uh, the one in Plymouth. Uh, we just know that it happened in November, most mm. likely, because there was a written account of it that happened in a letter written in December saying that mm -hmm. this had happened. Um, so I decided to go with uh, this uh, uh, one, which happened over 20 years before uh, that one that we uh, are more familiar with um, and happened uh, in uh, what is now known as Texas uh, in 1598. Uh, so uh, this is a Thanksgiving feast uh, that was uh, uh, held, was hosted uh, by uh, the conquistador uh, Don Juan de Oñate. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, as he uh, arrived at uh, the Rio Grande. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
Uh, Don Juan de Onate uh, was born uh, sometime in the 1550s. I've seen 1550. I've also seen 1558. Uh, and he was born to Catalina de Salazar and uh, Cristobal uh, de Onate. And uh, Cristobal, uh, he was uh, involved with some of the very early uh, um, conquistadors uh, in uh, Mexico, in New Spain. Uh, he was involved with the Guzman expeditions. And uh, Guzman was a very, uh, he is the uh, uh, epitome of what you would think of the cruel conquistador uh, going oh, no. through and uh, uh, taking, you know, uh, things in the name of God and glory and gold and mm. um, uh, doing all sorts of uh, wretched things to native inhabitants. Mm. Uh, Crystal Ball uh, was seen as someone who was uh, a bit lighter uh, than Guzman. Uh, so uh, not as brutal uh, as of a conquistador as uh, Guzman. And uh, around 1549, they were in the uh, uh, northern area of Zacatecas and uh, they had made a campfire and they noticed that uh, the rocks around uh, the campfire were glowing. Mm. And uh, the reason was that their campfire was made on one of the largest and richest silver veins in the <gasps> area. Ooh. And so uh, Cristobal de Oñate is uh, directly, uh, 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 he's the cause of Zacatecas to uh, come into being and all of the mines there. And he became uh, a very wealthy man. And uh, so uh, he had a family in Zacatecas, and uh, Don Juan uh, de Oñate uh, was uh, one of, uh, I believe, his second child. Mm. Uh, so he grew up in uh, his uh, around his father's uh, silver mines in Zacatecas and learned all of the ways of being a Spanish knight, of being a conquistador. And uh, he, uh, in his early 20s, really cut his teeth uh, fighting uh, the local uh, native tribes around Zacatecas. So these were the uh, Chichimeca um, natives. And uh, these were not uh, an easy group of people uh, to fight. Uh, the Chichimeca were known for capturing the Spanish and skinning them alive Ooh. and then impaling them. Oh. Uh, so uh, uh, these were people after uh, Vlad Dracula's uh, own heart. Uh-huh. Uh, and he, uh, Don Juan, uh, uh, did battle with them, and, and he, he got to keep his skin, so he must have been a, a very good fighter. Wow. And uh, so he was doing this all in the northern part of Zacatecas. And um, about 50 years earlier in the 1540s, as I talked about uh, before, uh, Coronado had uh, left uh, Mexico City. He had gone north and he had gone and seen New Mexico and Texas and possibly had a uh, Thanksgiving dinner around Palo Duro Canyon. And uh, he had gone all over, uh, but uh, didn't really uh, find the city of gold. He never found El Dorado and uh, ended up coming back uh, to Mexico City. And, and for the last 50 years from the 1540s to the 1590s, they knew of this place that was up north of, of New Mexico, or what they would eventually call New Mexico, but uh, they weren't uh, extremely interested in going there. Um, but that all changed in the uh, late 1590s, and the Spanish crown uh, put out for bid uh, for all of uh, the uh, rich uh, people uh, of uh, Mexico City and Zacatecas to bid on uh, being a conquistador and going to the Pueblo people uh, in uh, New Mexico and bringing them to uh, the Spanish crown and Catholicism and possibly uh, finding whatever riches there were up there. 
Hmm. And uh, so there were uh, several noblemen who uh, bid for this. Uh, but uh, in uh, 1595, uh, uh, Don Juan de Oñate, he won the bid. Um, and it's important to note uh, that before this, uh, uh, Oñate had uh, married, and he married uh, Isabel uh, de Tolosa Cortez Moctezuma. Oh. And she is the granddaughter of Hernan Cortez and the great-granddaughter of the last Aztec emperor Moctezuma. Wow. Uh, so... Uh, Oñate, he wins this bid in 1595, but there's about three years of um, palace intrigue that happens uh, where other uh, knights and other uh, Spanish noblemen try and get this bid from under him. Um, and then finally, in 1598, it is all settled and he has his decree from King Philip II uh, to uh, go up to New Mexico to convert the Pueblo people uh, and uh, to uh, establish uh, uh, Spanish control in the area. Uh, so uh, they are uh, preparing uh, this expedition, and it is one of the largest expeditions uh, in uh, Spanish and in, uh, in European history. Um, they are... Uh, recruiting men uh, from Mexico City, from Zacatecas, uh, from uh, Santa Barbara, um, uh, to try and join this huge expedition. Uh, literally hundreds of men and women and children uh, join in. Uh, wow. There are, uh, you can see the muster rolls uh, in the Spanish archives. And uh, the Spanish were very detailed in uh, their archives of who exactly is signing up for this mission. Um, I guess to inform uh, their loved ones that they would most likely die. I don't oh, know. No. <laughs> but um, uh, so we, uh, when you signed up, they, they would ask you for your name and then your father's name. And then they would give a description of the person, uh, which I don't think was written by the person, because a lot of these descriptions are, uh, he is a rather fat man with a oh, pointy nose. No. Uh, this is a uh, rather swarthy, black-bearded fellow. Um, and so you, uh, th these are all the hundreds of these people signing up for this expedition. Uh, you can see exactly who these people were in the Spanish archives. Um, uh, so, uh, this was a, a massive undertaking. Eventually, uh, there'd be over 500 people. There'd be over 7,000, uh, livestock uh, brought with them, uh, and people from all walks of life. Uh, this was not just your, uh, uh, pure, uh, born, uh, peninsulares from Spain, uh, or even, uh, the, uh, Creoles, uh, from, uh, uh, Mexico City, but it was, uh, people of African descent, people of native descent, and the mixing that had happened uh, with mestizos and mulatos and uh, all of these different people. It was, it was really a, uh, a huge grouping of humanity that made oh. up this expedition. Wow. And um, Oñate uh, thought that uh, the typical way of getting into uh, uh, New Mexico uh, was um, unnecessarily burdensome. And the way that it had been done before uh, was to follow, uh, you'd go to Chihuahua, you'd go up the Rio Concho and then hit the Rio Grande and then follow the Rio Grande uh, into New Mexico. Hmm. Uh, well, uh, this is uh, a really great way uh, to make sure that you have water the entire way that you're trying to get to where you're going. Mm -hmm. But Onate, he thought, 
you know, if uh, the, the shortest distance between uh, two points is a line. Uh, so if you can just uh, cross the Chihuahuan Desert in a straight line, <gasps> you could hit uh, the Rio Grande much faster. Oh, no. Uh, so he sent, he, he doesn't do this uh, um, blindly. He sends a scout, uh, Zaldivar, uh, to uh, find this route uh, to go oh. from uh, 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 to go from Santa Barbara uh, to uh, the Rio Grande. And uh, Zaldivar has a horrible time crossing the desert. He gets in all sorts of trouble. He gets captured by uh, uh, natives. He's uh, uh, all sorts of things. But then he does manage to come back. And so Anyate no. says, uh, well, you managed to come back. That means there must be a route. So that's what we're going to oh. do. Oh, no. Uh, so uh, this expedition uh, leaves uh, from Santa Barbara, Chihuahua, um, uh, around January of 1598. Um, there are uh, hundreds of men, women, and children. Uh, and they are bringing with them all of the things that would be needed to create a new civilization. Uh, so millstones uh, and uh, uh, huge uh, uh, pieces of, of uh, forges and machinery and, and plows and all all of these things, the line uh, to go from uh, the head of uh, the expedition to the very back of it was four miles <gasps> long. Oh, my gosh. That is how much of this group that is leaving to go to New Mexico is. And uh, so they leave uh, uh, Santa Barbara and they are immediately plagued with seven days of torrential rainstorms. Oh. Uh, so uh, just uh, getting uh, uh, stuck in the mud and, and just being miserable through the uh, rain and the desert uh, in seven days. After those seven days were weeks of no rain at all. Mm. Uh, eventually, uh, they uh, uh, would uh, start digging up uh, whatever plants could be found in the Chihuahuan Desert and eating the roots of those plants. Mm -hmm. uh, they were uh, so starving and so... Uh, 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 devoid of water uh, for uh, the last 10 days leading up to their arrival at the Rio Grande. Um, they had nothing. They had no food or no oh. water uh, for 10 days. Uh, and then uh, around April 20th of uh, 1598, they reached the Rio Grande River. And uh, it was such a, a uh, relief. It, it was, it was uh, uh, nearly a, a religious epiphany for them to finally find water. Um, uh, and, uh, it, it is said that the horses, uh, when they finally found the water, two of the horses drank the water until their stomachs burst and they oh, died. No. Uh, which, I, you know, again, I think this is another reason why this should be considered the first Thanksgiving, because oh. that's one of our, uh, uh, most trusted and beloved traditions is just stuffing yourself on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the horses of the Onate expedition really oh. proved that to us. Oh. Um, so uh, they, they reach the river, and then there are 10 days of recovery from this long and arduous journey. And then on April 30th of 1598, um, there is a Thanksgiving feast that is held. Uh, so uh, the Spanish, they had brought with them all sorts of uh, beef and pork and uh, on the hoof, but still uh, had brought uh, pigs and, and cows and uh, all sorts of animals. So they uh, butchered some of them. They also found wild game and turkeys. Um, and then the natives, uh, they also came. And they brought tons of fish uh, that they had caught in the river. And they uh, held this big feast. 
Uh, and uh, after the feast, uh, the uh, Franciscan monks that had come with them, uh, uh, Onate, he originally wanted to bring 12 uh, so that he could literally have 12 disciples with him, mm -hmm. uh, but he had to settle for 10. Oh, um, okay. And so uh, they blessed the meal and uh, proclaimed this an official day of Thanksgiving. Uh, and uh, then after, uh, so uh, we have uh, one description of uh, the feast that was written by one of the Spanish captains. Uh, he says, uh, we built a great bonfire and roasted the meat and fish, and then all sat down to a repast the like of which we had never enjoyed before. We were happy that our trials were over, as happy as were the passengers in the ark when they saw the dove returning with the olive branch in his beak, bringing tidings that the deluge had subsided. Mm. Uh, so uh, a truly a grand meal uh, was had. And um, then uh, after this big meal, uh, the natives and and the, the Spanish and people from all walks of life, uh, uh, African and uh, uh, peninsulares from Spain and everyone from Mexico, all this grouping of humanity got together. And then uh, uh, Oñate read uh, what is known as La Toma, uh, which means the taking. Uh, and uh, so uh, we don't know the exact text, or at least I wasn't able to find it, but we believe uh, that it was something very similar to uh, the requerimiento, uh, which is what uh, Spanish conquistadors uh, were required to read to native groups as soon as they found them uh -oh. uh, to inform them uh, that they were now subjects of the Spanish Empire <laughs> oh, and no. that uh, they would need to, um, or that they would need to convert to Catholicism of their own free will. Uh, yeah. And so uh, this requerimiento is literally the history of the world. Uh, up to this exact moment that I am talking to you. Oh so my. You can uh, just imagine what this would look like to, and he had to read this as he uh, went through all through New Mexico. Every time he found a group, a village, um, he would stand in front and read to them in perfect Castilian Spanish, oh which uh, the uh, natives had no idea what he was saying. Of course. Um, uh, for, for a long, long time. I'm going <laughs> to read uh, just portions of this because it is literally the history of the world. Oh my. Uh, so uh, he would say... Uh, on behalf of the king, uh, Philip II uh, of Spain, a subduer of the barbarous nations, we their uh, servants notify and make known to you as best we can that the Lord our God, living and eternal, created the heaven and the earth, and one man and one woman, of whom you and we, all the men of the world at the time, were and are descendants, and all those who came after and before us, but on account of the multitude which has sprung from this man and woman and the 5,000 or even more years since this world was created, it was necessary that some men should go one way and some another, and that they should be divided into many kingdoms and provinces, for in one alone they could not be sustained. Then he just, you just keep going on. So he talks about Jesus and he talks about um, St. Peter and that St. Peter uh, uh, established the church and that the the pope is uh, the living you know a descendant of saint peter and that the pope said that the spanish can control everything in the new world okay. and that includes you people okay. and uh, that we are offering you uh, to uh, convert uh, to catholicism of your own free will 
Uh, and so uh, this part is going to be a little longer, but I just find it so interesting that they read all of this stuff uh, and, and really believed in this, uh, the, this, this show that they were doing that oh, somehow yeah. these native people would understand what they're talking about. Oh, um, yeah. So offers uh, the conversion uh, to uh, the one true faith of Catholicism. If you do so, you will do well. And that which you are obliged to do to their highness, uh, and we in their name shall receive you in all love and charity, and shall leave you, your wives and your children and your lands, free without servitude, that you may do with them and with yourselves freely that which you like and think best. And they shall not compel you to turn Christians, unless you yourselves, when informed of the truth, should wish to be converted to our holy Catholic faith, as almost all the inhabitants of the rest of these lands have done. And besides this, their highness will award you many privileges and exemptions and will grant you many benefits. But if you do not do this and maliciously make delay in it, I certify to you that with the help of God, we shall powerfully enter your country and shall make war against you in all the ways and manners that we can and shall subject to you the yoke and obedience of the church and of their highness. We shall make you and your wives and your children and shall make slaves of them and as such shall sell and dispose of them as uh, their highness may command, and we shall take away your goods, and shall do you all the mischief and damage that we can, as to vassals who do not obey, and mm. refuse to receive their lord, and resist and contradict him, and we protest that the deaths and losses which shall accrue from this are your fault, and not that of their highness or mm -hmm. ours, nor are these cavaliers who come with us, and that we have said this to you and made this requisition. We request the notary here present to give us his testimony in writing, and we ask the rest who are present that they should be witness of this requisition. Uh, so that was all to mm. make this a, a legal uh, conquest, uh, mm -hmm. that uh, in the eyes of the uh, law of Spain, they had now done their due diligence to inform those uh, that they were now uh, expected to be part of the Catholic Church, and if they did not do so, uh, then uh, very bad things would happen to them. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so that uh, is uh, sort of uh, how this uh, uh, Thanksgiving ended. Uh, the uh, natives had no idea what he was talking about um, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, were from then on considered subjects of uh, the Spanish Empire. Uh -huh. um, uh, Oñate uh, continues on his journey up the Rio Grande River. Uh, I believe the next day or very shortly thereafter, he finds a, a pass in the uh, Rio Grande uh, River, uh, which he names the North Pass, which is uh, El Paso de Norte. Uh -huh. And that is where the town of El Paso gets its name. Wow. Uh, he would then continue on into New Mexico. He would found the city of Santa Fe um, and uh, would uh, continue expeditions throughout uh, North America. Eventually, he would come back to Texas around the Amarillo area. He would go up as far as Kansas. He would go down uh, into Arizona, uh, reach the Gulf of California. Um, but uh, his rule, um, in, especially of the Pueblo people, um, uh, 
was one very typical uh, for the Spanish conquistadors, and and he had a very medieval attitude towards those who did not obey him, and uh, much punishments were dealt out uh, to uh, the uh, Pueblo people. Eventually, uh, he would be called back to uh, Mexico City for uh, all of these reports of the uh, punishments that he had dealt out uh, in uh, Santa Fe. Mm. The Pueblo people would revolt in the early 1700s, um, and uh, although this was certainly not uh, their intent, uh, they thought that the best thing to do would be to release all of the horses uh, that were held in Santa Fe. Again, he brought thousands, and then there were generations of horses born after that. Mm -hmm. When they released these horses into the North American continent, uh, they fell into the arms of a, a tribe uh, that was the lowest on the totem pole, uh, the one that uh, had been kicked around the most by all of the other Aww. bigger and badder tribes, uh, and they would become the Comanches. Uh, so uh, there are lots of other avenues to go down when talking about Oñate, talking about New Mexico and Santa Fe and all of these things. But um, one of the most important things to those who uh, chronicled uh, this story is that it starts with this Thanksgiving dinner um, mm -hmm. that is held in 1598 in uh, San Elizario, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, so uh, while we really do get our tradition of the Thanksgiving dinner uh, from what happened uh, with uh, the uh, people who were on the Mayflower and uh, the help of uh, Squanto and the Wampanoag Indians in Massachusetts. Um, this uh, did happen uh, many years before that meal. And I think it's um, an interesting uh, uh a uh, uh, symbol of America because it was uh, this mass of humanity from all of these different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, and that is not exactly what was happening in Plymouth. Um, in Plymouth, it really was just two very homogenous groups of people, mm -hmm. uh, the Wampanoag and uh, the separatist uh, pilgrims. Mm -hmm. Whereas this was, uh, there were some who were uh, a Jewish people uh, who were hiding uh, their Judaism, uh, but had come to uh, America to try and, uh, for their own religious freedom, to try and practice their faith without the um, uh, the worries of the Inquisition in Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, just a, a humongous mass of humanity from all these diverse backgrounds, and, and that's what America would eventually become. And uh, all uh, breaking bread together and while surely there were uh, many horrors that would come after this, for this one meal, it was the, these groups of people celebrating the water that they had found, celebrating uh, uh, life, uh, and uh, that they truly felt blessed in that moment to still be alive after crossing the desert. Um, so... Uh, uh, Speaking from one a very proud Texan, I would say that uh, Oñate's Thanksgiving is the true first Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, you know, all the best things begin in Texas. <laughs> That's right. And from there, they spread out to the rest of the world. So, yeah, a lot of that is in this chart because when you have Mars in Cancer, conjunct by sign Chiron in the ninth house this is all about the religion right mm -hmm. and that if you agree to come with us then you will be nurtured you know but if you don't agree to come with us then there will be consequences for that I also think that this performance of the reading of the um 
history of the world mm -hmm. and that you are now a Spanish uh, subjects subjects uh, that is quite the show mm -hmm. that is a very interesting show uh, reading to them in a language they do not understand that's very Neptunian um and very uh manipulative this is very manipulative you know and uh loving the water and the north node being the water because trying to get to the water right mm -hmm. very interesting and then this work all of this work uh it must have been nightmarish to go on that expedition and compete uh for life Mm -hmm. <laughs> to try to survive that's what you're doing your job to survive you are competing to survive right and then on this particular day the partnership of the goods right venus all the goods and in taurus food commodities things to enjoy you know and uh the the celebration of earth and food and survival you know, mm -hmm. and this uh, Jupiter, so many hidden things in this, you know, mm -hmm. so many things that are hidden. And then organization of the people, organizing them. Um, with Virgo, it is categorizing them even, you know. Yeah. Uh, very, 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 very interesting, Chandler. Very interesting. I had never heard of this. I mean, we all know about Thanksgiving uh, in America and mm -hmm. in Canada. Uh, we have Thanksgiving every year and give thanks. We try to maintain it because we have Halloween and then we have Christmas. <laughs> but we're trying to maintain that moment of Thanksgiving where we are thankful for all of the things that we have received during the year. Um, I find it very interesting that, you know, nothing changes in the world. Like it's all about control of the people and how you control them. Because, it, you know, we could, we could transfer this whole level of control to right now and it doesn't really change. You can find it all, there is no time throughout history that there wasn't, you know, some control. I think my favorite time is probably the wild, wild west. <laughs> in america because it was very hard to control people during that time because there weren't enough people to control them and i kind of like that i like that freewheeling you know wild wild west idea for me i like it because i have all of my planets where they are and i like being free and i want to do what i want to do when i want to do it uh, i don't want somebody to tell me what to wear how to act you know i'm doing it i'm not i'm not breaking any laws i'm i'm fine you know but that's my own um <laughs> and that's how my chart works. But uh, that's fascinating, Chandler. I love this. I I like the idea that, you know, that the first Thanksgiving comes from Texas. Uh, I like it that they had to, you know, I mean, the story of survival and the whole Plymouth thing, we understand that also here in America. But this is a whole different animal. If you survive Texas at, from Mexico, uh, you survived something because you didn't just survive coming across an ocean or survive some cold. You have survived every aspect of survival if you're doing it in Texas and Mexico. So 
That's very, very good. Uh, well, uh, are there uh, any other uh, final thoughts that you have about uh, our, our look at, at this first Thanksgiving? No, I think it's fascinating and brilliant. And I'm really glad that you uh, chose this for uh, our season finale, which is right before Thanksgiving. Because I think I really like having our season finale fall right before Thanksgiving because, because you know what? We have a lot to be thankful for. We do. Yes, we do. We are very fortunate. I think that we can all, in the best of times and worst of times, find those glimmers of things to be thankful for, you know, just to give yourself that motivation to keep going if that's what it takes, you know? And, uh, yeah, I think that uh, the one of the things or several of the things that we're uh, grateful for are... Uh, uh, the opportunities that we have uh, so that we can uh, do this uh, fun little show for uh, all of our uh, listeners out there. And uh, uh, I'm uh, grateful to you for uh, all of uh, your uh, wonderful uh, insights that you bring, uh, even uh, uh, despite uh, your your uh, place of, of darkness that you are held in uh, before uh, so that you do not know exactly what you're talking about. You always pull <laughs> out um, a very insightful things. And uh, uh, I, I think that uh, I'm very grateful for, for this little show that we've got going on here. I am also very grateful for this show and I'm very grateful as well uh, for all of our fabulous listeners who are literally the best people on the planet. And I'm very grateful for your brilliance and your ability to find very, very fascinating pieces of history that I think people in general also find fascinating and enjoy very much, Chandler. And I'm very grateful for having you as my boy. <laughs> uh, well, I think uh, on our scale of right on the money to way out in outer space, this is uh, right on the money of uh, what this moment was and what uh, Onyate's uh, first Thanksgiving uh, uh, that was, uh, we will now officially say was in Texas, um, uh, was and uh, the good and the bad of it is all represented uh, in this chart. Yes. And I would like to say, um, before we sign off on our last podcast of this season, of our second season, uh, that uh, I would like you all, if you are uh, celebrating Thanksgiving, to have a wonderful, wonderful time for your Thanksgiving uh, day, whether you celebrate in America or you celebrate uh, in Canada. And and that they already had theirs. Oh, they had theirs already? Theirs oh, I'm sorry, hope. Canada. I didn't know. I'm ignorant to some of these things. But I hope it was wonderful. And I would also like to say happy holidays because we won't be around for the holidays with you. We will be celebrating our holidays uh, at the beach. And uh, I would like to say uh, also as we move forward, because we're not coming back until when, Chandler? Uh, it'll be uh, next year, probably around February is what we're thinking. Okay, so we have to say Happy New Year because I am very much looking forward to the aspects of 2023. Uh, a lot of new things are going to be happening in 2023 that are very positive. And so I'm looking forward to Happy New Year 2023. 
Uh, yes, uh, there, there's a lot to look forward to in 2023. Uh, so uh, we will be uh, uh, signing off after this episode and uh, most likely be coming back uh, in uh, early February of 23. Uh, what we'll be doing uh, in between that time, we will not be uh, completely gone away. Uh, so uh, we're going to be working on our website and uh, working on our YouTube channel and posting Yay! all the uh, many episodes from our uh last two seasons on there so that you can follow along on these charts um i think uh, uh, that's going to help a lot of everyone uh, in their understanding of both astrology and history is to be able to look at these videos and uh, be able to see what all these uh, uh things look like on a chart uh, yes. so be looking out for that that uh, we will update you on our social media uh, when those uh, get posted and uh, then be doing uh, research and, and working on uh, making a a great third season in uh, 2023 yes and there's going to be a lot of changes coming up so uh exciting new things are going to be available through our channel and chandler has some brilliant ideas because he's got all of that aquarius on his tenth house which makes him futuristic and brilliant in business uh so uh that just about uh, wraps up our our, uh, our our show and our season. Uh, for those of you, if you would like to uh, support the show, we have uh, the links posted in the show description to all of our uh, social media sites, uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can email us with uh, suggestions uh, and uh, just whatever else you'd like to uh, say to us, uh, historyandretrograde at gmail.com. If you would like to be your very own mystery history guest, we can make that happen. Uh, so uh, you can just send an email to Chandler's mom at historyandretrograde.com and uh, she can uh, get with you uh, with more details on uh, how to uh, uh, have a reading done of your chart or a chart of someone special to you or those both those charts put together. Uh, so um, mom, is there uh, anything else that you'd like to add? Mm, yes, I'd like to say that I'm having a wonderful time doing charts for people and getting to know people. And I also want to uh, mention Michael again, who sent in the suggestion for Marie Antoinette and the other suggestions that he sent in. We really do love these. And it makes Chandler's life a lot easier if you guys just <laughs> suggest people you want him to do the history of. That's so much easier for him. And uh, uh, we love you guys. And I'll miss you while we're gone away on our hiatus and i will very much look forward to coming back and um being here in 2023 uh yes uh, thank you uh to everyone who's listening uh, we uh, really appreciate all of your encouragement and support and uh, we uh, look forward to bring you more uh, quality shows uh, in uh 2023 uh, so, uh, as always, in conclusion, as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine. Everything's going to be just fine. We love you. Bye-bye. So long.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.